This is bad. I should start over. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Hello, welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of theverge.com, a website that Paul thinks is about everything. <laughs> Paul, you just put, just put you. that on me now. On blast, Paul. Anyway, I'm I want to talk about Plato and jewelry. Ooh, Plato, the the malleable material, yes. or Plato, the ancient philosopher. Both, actually. <laughs> okay. There's a lot to be learned. Anyway, I'm Neil I. Patel. I'm Paul Miller. I'm Dieter Bone. There you go. <sighs> Whew. It can be a great episode today. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff going on. We have a whole segment in the middle. That's going to be fun. It's Wilderness Week mm-hmm. at TheVerge.com this week. If you didn't know, lots of excellent wilderness content about being outside. And honestly, just quite, a lot of gross things happen outside. We wrote about them all. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's the it was the 100-year anniversary of the National Park Service. Yep. Uh, as you know this, but T.C. Sadek, before he worked at The Verge, but worked in the government where he was a lobbyist, but he wasn't one of those fat cats. He begged the government for money for the park system. <laughs> that like, saddest lobbyist yeah. ever. <laughs> I was like, you eat a lot of steak dinners? He's like, no one, did no he, one fed did me Did he get paid in like leaves? <laughs> yeah. Like pine cones? <laughs> Anyhow, we have a bunch of people at The Verge who love the outdoors. Liz, T.C., Zelenko. Mm. People love being outside. It's Some the people. new, no. the new hot stuff in 2016. Yeah. Outside is the new inside. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's Wilderness Week. We run a bunch of stories uh, around the anniversary. James Temple, uh, one of our talented video directors, has a series called Climate Hackers that he's interested in starting up. There's a bunch of people doing crazy stuff to sort of counteract global warming. So he's going to be on the show later on, talking about his first episode. But for now, there's a couple things we got to do. Mm-hmm. One. I just have to say the word scissor vodka, cut through the night. Okay, got because it. Because the sponsor Check. is so demanding. Check. And that sponsor is me. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, we got to talk about some uh, some tech news. Yeah. How's that tech news yeah. going? It's going. Yeah. All right, so what happened this hey, week? Uh, Android 7.0 there you nougat. Go. Nougat. <laughs> or or as, uh, as, our, as our British friend James Barron pronounces it, nougar. Nougar. That's a thing, nougar. huh? Nougar. Huh. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, so, Dieter, I, you re- you reviewed it. I did, uh, and you know, it's Android. It's a really good Android release. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I'll, I'll I'll talk about it. the The most important stuff about it is it does split screen. That's like the thing that, like, as a user, you will see. So, on both phones and tablets, you can now split the screen in half and do stuff on two different windows and adjust the size of the windows. The other things that you should know, you know. It, uh, it does better security, I guess. I don't know. You yeah. can change the keyboard uh, it's, it's color. It's Android. Yeah, you can change. Oh, so the keyboard thing is hilarious. It's actually technically not Nougat. Uh, it's just the Google keyboard. You can now theme the keyboard, which is hilarious. Mm. No, the other user-facing thing that I actually do want to talk about is notifications. And like, yeah. I could get pretty deep on notifications, but I feel like... If there was ever I've a always felt like Android does better with notifications, and I feel like it just continues to do better with notifications than than iOS. Um, so the, the change here is you can long press on it to adjust like priority or adjust uh, whether or not you want to see the damn things. Android's had this priority system for a long time, but nobody uses it. And so now they've just made it a straightforward thing where you just like show them silently or block them. The priority's still there if you want to go hunting for it, but nobody wants to do that because we're normal humans. The other thing they added to notifications is quick replies, which uh, was a long time coming. Uh, I always had it for a while now. Android has it properly instead of like on a weird app by app basis. I feel like with Android... When I use Android, I end up getting tons of new notifications for things that I don't care about. So this this sounds like it would really match 
my problem. More so than you do on the iPhone? Well, like I feel like every time, and maybe it's because I don't use Android enough, but I feel like every time I turn on the phone, it's like, hey, guess what? This like service that relies on this other service uh, updated or it's thinking about updated. What do you think? Or like, yeah. like there's, some, there's like more of the internals are notifying you that they're updating all the time. I like their yeah. what do you think notification. <laughs> <laughs> Android has updated several of your apps. What do you think about that? <laughs> and you're just How's like, it make you that's feel? great. Well, I'm so like, proud of you. Google Play is always updating. And then it's like, you can't ever install new applications with, maybe it's because I have an S6 and the S6 is just the worst. It's because you don't use your phone enough. Probably that too. If you yeah, use if you, it every day. If you day, haven't turned it on for a month, of course, you're going to get, when you turn it on, it's going to like take in all the notifications that you yeah. haven't received yet. I like to think of that as Xbox disease mm. or, PS, oh my God. or PS4 I, syndrome. My Xbox One S, uh, I wanted to play a video game last night and I had to wait 45 minutes to do it because it update. was updating. Yeah. I, I, we've talked about this a bunch of times on the show, but the Xbox silent overnight update is just... It's just one of those things where if it works, it's great. Yep. But it could also just be a lie, like a shared delusion that people yeah, have about the Xbox. Pretend that it does that. Yeah, it's it like you know, no, it updates it. at night. It yeah, absolutely, it updates have, at night. Has that ever mm-hmm. happened to you? It's mine has never updated at night. Right. But have I had a shared delusion with several other people? Yeah. <laughs> I went to college. There, there does something. There's something about the way the Xbox changes the UI very frequently mm-hmm. that makes me feel like I'm being like like a gaslight situation. <laughs> like that never because, happened like, to you. I can't quite remember what's yeah. different, what's new, yeah. what's changed. It's like, oh yeah, that was always there. <laughs> it's like, what? What if they just go back to blades? Oh, I miss the blades. The blade, the, uh, with the triggers? Yeah. <laughs> it was so silly. They really... Android. And, oh, Android. What if Android had yeah, blades? Right. That'd be fine. Wait, I want to talk mm. about multitasking. Yeah. Are you using it? Like, do you do you have a situation on your phone? Because I, I, I think there's an ideal situation as a writer where you can pull up reference information on one side, put your, like a text document on the other side, and you can write and reference. And like now you can actually do your job because you have multitasking yeah. or so split screen. On, on a tablet, absolutely, yes. And it's great. On the phone, it's hard because, like, that standard situation of I want to type some notes and look at my reference, like, there's only so much space even on a big phone for fitting the keyboard and two windows. Um, So I'll use it for, like, I'm watching a video and the video is kind of boring, but I'm not going to stop watching it. So I'll throw Twitter up and scroll through tweets, right? (laughs) Um, You know, and I'll I'll also use it. I'll, I'll do a little bit of note taking, but it's sort of one of those things where, like, if you need it, you'll feel it, and then you can use it, and it's great, and most of the time you won't, but it's kind of convenient. The The thing that's interesting to me about the multitasking is how it sort of gets handled. You don't think of it as like you've got two windows and you can do whatever you want with them. When you multitask, you're basically like pinning the left hand and or top app, and you can't switch that one easily. Like you've got to like bail out of split screen then switch that app, then go back into split screen Wait, to really? switch the left hand app. Yeah. So basically, what think of it as pinning. So like the right hand app or the bottom app, you can switch around. You can you know go back to the home screen and open something else up, and just run down the line and move it around. But the the app on the left is harder to switch. You have to like bail out of it. So it's like in the same way that on iOS you like slide that thing over to the right, but the main app is just sort of there. But when you change, go hit home, you're messing with the main app, but the app on the right that you slide in is like different it's like the interaction model for changing stuff is different 
Yeah. They don't have two different interaction models for finding your app on Android, so it's a little bit smarter, but you just have to get it in your head that it takes a minute to figure out how to change the app on the left or the top. Wait, that's not exactly right about iOS, though. It's kind of right. Like, no, because if it's, you, the interaction model is, is only different for the smaller app. I, right. So you can slide but, the slider all the way to the left and make the app big on the right and then make the app on the left small? Oh, you can do that on Android, too. Okay. Um, you can you can still slide it over, but when you want to switch an app, you're always switching the app on the right. Whereas on iOS, when you want to switch the app on the right, you get that weird, like, vertical tile multitask thing. Yeah, but I'm saying, but you can you can change the nature of that app by making it the bigger app. And then the home button will change that app, and the vertical switcher thing will change the app on the left. Are you sure? Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, I, I okay. play with it. If you watch the Mr. Robot After Show and you see me staring at that iPad all the time, That's I might be reading comments from the IRC or I might just be fucking with the iOS multitasker because <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like all that is wild to me. Like, have it's we somewhat found, useful. Yeah. Have we found the right way to do this yet? No. I feel like no. I feel like it's, it's not correct on... Um, on OS Windows 10, either. either. You don't think OS 10 multitasking oh. works? What? Oh, the, the OS 10 split screen stuff. Yeah, no, because yeah, it's, it's really it, weird. It wants like it, oh, the OS 10 split screen stuff really wants you to use multiple like spaces and like go full screen on stuff. And so like your like old school desktop windows live over here, but your split screen stuff lives over there. Right. And I almost never use it. I use like a third party tool to like manage my windows because I don't like get panicked by having more than two windows on the screen at once. Dude, I'm still on Yosemite. I'm just going to be real with everybody. Yeah, I use better snap tool to like snap my windows around, which mm. basically emulates like the windows style of like, yeah, the windows snap stuff is good. I like that. But I don't know, like I never. I'll probably upgrade to Elk. But I have I I like Dieter. I have a v wide variety of weird window hacks, mm -hmm. and like utilities that are just kind of like. I think I actually have better Snap Tool, and I use Stay, which when you plug in a monitor, it remembers all the window positions. Nice. Mm -hmm. That one's real good. What's the one that you use, Dieter? Did uh, I use Moom M O O M, yeah. which combines all of the above into a, a single tool, and I'm pretty pretty pleased with it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we figured this out exactly right because I use I use that iOS 10 multitasking once well, a week for the robot show because I need to monitor Twitter and IRC at the same time and I can't have a laptop so it's fine to do it on a tablet. Right. But every week I'm like, there's something about this that is not exactly right yet. Well, the the classic place where you have like real power over split screen is like in a text editor like Vim or in like a terminal like Tmux or something like that. And you use all these key commands to like, you're basically in a frame and you put in a key command that will split that frame either in half vertically or in half horizontally. And then you have key commands to like jump between them and then from within that frame, it's like it's a whole operating system or it's a whole text editor or whatever. So then you can change what's happening in that frame, in that yeah, tile I don't or whatever. Yeah, that's the model that I want. <laughs> so that, that basically requires a keyboard and yeah, memorization of, I, of keyboard commands. I do kind of like a GUI a little bit. I don't want to have a keyboard command no, for I, everything. I think, but to like meet in the middle, it's what Paul's talking yeah. about is that there's that model, but it's. It's two independently full-powered environments. Right. There's right. something and about like, that split, and yeah. now I can do anything in either split. Right. And on a well, so, desktop PC, every window is yeah. independently a full app. Right. And the nice thing that Android are, is doing... Go ahead. Sorry. The nice thing that Android is doing with its split screen is it, it from the jump, will let you have a Chrome window in both windows. 
uh, yeah. which it took it's taking iOS until I think 10 to get there. Uh, oh, and I forgot about the best part about the way multitasking works in Android. You can double tap the square button, which, by the way, did you know the square button's called the overview button? No. What? Yeah. I thought it was the home the multi- button. It's called, it's called, no, the, the home button's a circle button, and then oh. the multitask oh, button, right. the square button, is the overview button. Huh. Whatever. You can double tap it, and it'll just switch to your last app, and double tap it again, and it'll Wait, switch back. Wait, hold on. The square button, it dep- the buttons are... Hold on. The square, the, the square button typically brings up that slide, the deck of the multitasking. View. Yeah, that's what I think of it as. Yeah, it's called the overview button, and that's called the overview. I just has had it a, always been called the overview button. I don't know. I just had a moment of pure panic where I couldn't remember what order those buttons were in. Because mm-hmm. it's a oh, square circle. You used a Samsung phone. Yeah. You used a Samsung phone recently, and they they swap them. Yeah, it was like I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> what what button is which? Yeah, um, but no, like just like being able to really like how often, like when I switch apps, I'm almost always like going from like one password to the other app or yeah. between like Twitter and uh, Chrome or something. And like just being able to pop, pop, pop real quick is super convenient. Um, I got, So I installed Nougat on my 6P, my beloved yeah. Huawei built Nexus mm-hmm. 6P. I swear it made it slower. Oh, no. But I, I don't know if it's just like it's doing the thing where I, I hadn't had it on like a week, right? It's got to get all. And so like every Google update, Play, in the Google world. Play wants to update so yeah, bad. Yeah, Google Play is like, well, I haven't talked to the Google servers. <laughs> I want to tell them everything. <laughs> what <laughs> Google's called Alphabet now? Oh, this changes. Uh, so out of touch. So I I don't know if it's that or if it's just like some post install optimization. But do you notice that, Dieter? Is that just me? Uh, it definitely uh, I mean, just felt I've been like on it was the betas for a while, uh, so I haven't noticed that. Uh, but like. I mean, Android mysteriously chugging for people has been in the news this week, hasn't it? Ah, excellent transition, ah, my friend. Yeah. Do you want to you want to talk about it? Or do you, uh, uh, there's one more nougat note. Yeah, yeah. There's it, a, actually there's a lot more we could get into with nougat, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know what you are. Well, I want to. I want to know everything. But the the one that we should talk about is the Android update problem persists, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I think Vlad wrote a thing, <laughs> a classic Vlad. The Xperia Z3 is not getting nougat. Mm. The phone is not even two years old. Right. Remember, wasn't there like the Android update guarantee for a minute? What did yes. they call that? What did they no, call they, that? They, they do it every year. That's like there's like a new gambit to try and and make this happen. Yeah. And the, this year the gambit was they released the beta like way back in March, and we'll see. Well, they were also talking about how they're going to update it more like piecemeal now, something like that. They do that with play services a little bit, right? The apps. Yeah. Will... So they the there's like three things you need to be paying attention to now with Android updates. There's like the core: are you going to get the latest version of the OS? which is as messy as it has ever been. And we'll see what happens if the earlier beta helped with that. There's, uh, they're rolling more stuff into Google Play services instead of into the core of Android so they can push out stuff uh, to more phones more quickly and they're unbundling some things from the core OS. That's great, uh, except that it, um, you know, it means that like more of Android is tied to Google instead of to, you know, the idea of being built into Android. So that applies to stuff like uh, the browser and you know a few other places. And then the third thing to be aware of now with Android are the monthly security updates. And so when you go to Samsung or HTC or Motorola or whoever and they release a new phone 
instead of saying, hey, are you going to update the latest version of Android and when, you need to say, hey, are you going to update the latest version of Android and when, and also, hey, are you committing to installing the monthly security updates that Google is putting out for this version of Android? And the answers to all of those questions are uh, really frustrating and bad. Well, um, the, And that's a problem. There was just a terrible iOS iOS security yep. flaw. And you turned it around like a day. Right? By the time I had heard of it, and I work at a tech publication, but I was working hard today and I wasn't paying Were attention. <laughs> um, and by the time I'd heard of it, there was a, an update available on my phone, and I've updated it now. And come at me, hackers. Don't don't actually please. Wow, do not. But I, I'm, I'm updated. I'll give I'm you physical safe. access to Paul's phone. <laughs> <laughs> you can hold it in your hand and see how much you can get out of it. Yeah. No, it was like a really bad one, too. It was like a... It was like a click this link and we own your phone level bad, and people were just getting texted with it. But yeah, like Apple just fixed it. The worst it. part about the, the Android thing is they actually, with new phones coming out with NuGet, they have an incredibly good update system. They, it's called Seamless Updates. So there's actually two parts of your memory where they store the operating system, and it will, like an Xbox is supposed to, I guess, <laughs> it will silently download the next version of the OS in the background onto the other partition. And then when it's time... When it's done and verified, the next time you boot up, it just boots off off of that new OS on the new partition. And then the old partition just hangs out just in case until the next OS update comes along. How often? Um, but you have to reboot really the smart. Do you have to actually reboot the phone? Yeah, you reboot the phone. But then when you reboot the phone, because they have a, uh, a new JIT compiler for art apps and they've got some other stuff that you're not going to have to watch every single Android app update. After an OS update, it will they 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 compile themselves as necessary just in time. Uh, I'm I'm being really fast and loose with the technical stuff here, partially because yeah. the people it's a at, the people at XDA are smart. literally taking a transcript of this right now. Oh right man, they're going to does stand for just in time. Yes, yeah. it does. Uh, anyway, the the bottom line is like Google has, especially with. Android 7.0 Nougat, Nougar, <laughs> they've built a really, really good update system. And I would love it if the OEMs and the carriers and Google could get in a room and agree to use it. But it, I would also, like, I'm tired of complaining about it. Yeah. Uh, but I did it again in this review, like half the review is me complaining about this situation. But, like, I don't even know who to yell at anymore. I kind of just don't even, like, it's like, eh. Yeah. Like, is it Google's fault? Yes. Is it Samsung's fault? Yes. Is it Verizon's fault? Absolutely yes. This is why um, I can't buy like, a Note 6, right? Like, I want to buy a Note 6. Yeah. Really a like Note the Note 6? Or Note 7. Jeez. They, they skipped go. 6. That, they skipped 6. It's like my brain is broken. I want to buy a Note 7, but I can't because yeah. it's I just don't want to live in that hole. So I'm just going to keep using right. Nexus phones. Don't worry. Yep. Fuchsia will fix everything. All right. We should talk. <laughs> yeah, Fuchsia. That's going to work. We should talk about the performance of the Note 7, actually, because was, it was a thing that came up this week. Sadly, mm -hmm. Dan Seifert is out, so we yeah. can't have him talk about it directly. But, Dieter, you want to walk us through it? Well, a few things. So the reviews came out. Dan seemed really happy with the performance of the Note 7. It seemed to him to be on par with other Snapdragon 820 phones. But then there's a video comparing its like speed at launching multiple apps compared to a success, uh, iPhone success, and the iPhone seems to do way better. And uh, XDA wrote a wrote a piece where they, they ran some benches and, and did some stuff, and they are like, the real world you know use of this thing is horrendous. It's like particularly Dropbox is bad. That's like my favorite yeah. one. And it's like, you know, I in order to like verify these claims more fully, we need to run through every single carrier variant because like 
there's like there's talk that like the Verizon version is way worse than way worse than say the T-Mobile version. So well, the T-Mobile version know. compresses every video frame, so that yeah, <laughs> so that's fine. But the knock on Android has always been that it's got a little bit of jank to it, especially yeah. compared to iOS. And I mean, I I can't say that's not totally true, right? Yeah. Like, things have gotten better, and they've thrown a lot of horsepower at it, and they've done a bunch of stuff. There's been a bunch of, you know, initiatives inside Google to speed up the OS and, you know, et cetera, Project et Butter. Butter, yeah. Remember Project um, Butter? When Google stood on stage and said, our big initiative is called Project Butter. It's clear that my brain cannot hold all the Google initiatives anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Google to start an initiative where they try to cut down on the number of initiatives, and then I'll pay attention. Project Streamline. <laughs> Project Streamline the Butter. <laughs> I know it's gotten but better. All, the thing I yeah, want all from we can the say note- is like Dan's experience with the Note Seven was that it was fast. Right. Like, yeah. but like he may have been using a different version than everybody else, or it like sometimes Android just takes longer to like start to get janky. Yeah, um, and there was an Anand Tech like, piece where they did a bunch of benchmarks, and their conclusion was it's on par with all the other eight twenty phones. It's like right. better in some places and worse in some. And I think that's fair. I do think the Samsung phones in particular kind of like wear themselves into a state of being pretty sludgy after a while. Yeah. And that's like, I am interested in like how anyone thinks as a review organization we should do. Like, do we need to review the phone in six months and be like, it got slow? Mm-hmm. Because someone like Dan can't really do that because he's got to review all the other phones. Yeah. The the notion of Samsung phones getting sludgy after a while, I think, until they figure out a way to fix it, which they should fix, mm-hmm. we should probably, probably think about. It. I don't know. But- it's, I think the phone is fast enough, right? Like, unless you're looking for absolute performance, I don't think you're going to notice. At least is the takeaway that I've gotten from the people who have the phone. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically where I'm at. I, I haven't used it myself for long enough to, to weigh in. But, like, I, you know, I talked to Dan about it. He's on vacation. He called me from the beach and was like, I'm using it right now. It's fast. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, it's also like there's... And, and th- this is the really hard part about it is like when you talk about real world performance, you get into like really like personal things. You get really like this is how I experience it and how I experience it is how, you know, somebody that's like watching for the slowdown might experience it totally differently. And but like I think there's some there's some there there with uh, the Note 7 not being as fast as it ought to be, especially given its specs. But like the there that's there is so wildly different across different carrier versions and different like different installs of crap that gets put on phones from whoever whatever your phone is that it's like it's really difficult to like super pin down like objectively. Yeah. Right. And software phone like the moment you start to have more apps on your phone or you've opened some and closed some and like you've got a few files on your in your storage and you've the RAM is warmed up and then yeah, I love that warm RAM. Like that was a major part of Project Butter <laughs> was pre-warming the RAM. I'm trying to agree with Dieter is that there are wildly divergent states that an operating system mm-hmm. can get in with very little use. Yeah. So you your day one phone, even your day one phone is slightly different. Maybe you know you got slightly different chips or slightly different. You know, like you got a bum unit. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're just all over the place right now. No, no like the it. yield, the processor yield was yeah. bad somehow. Yeah, and you got some cold RAM. You got cold a bum RAM. unit. <laughs> Real garbage let's just, phone. Let's right just move on. Let's stick just that move thing on. in the microwave. But anyway, but I will say. The overall problem, for as good as people think the Snapdragon 820 is, mm. is that Apple is way out ahead of them in terms of raw performance. So any like underlying jank in iOS 
gets smoothed over. Mm. And they're just going to put out the, a new processor soon, presumably in a new phone, that's going to be even faster. Right. So Apple gets to get away with more jank, and then they control the whole stack. Right. So there is well, fundamentally kind of like less... Reason- because like, like Samsung is supposed to be using like Vulcan and like trying to really speed up like their user interface and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that that the Vulcan stuff applies to games right now. Like it's not like Vulcan runs the the UI on the. But thing. Samsung is is porting parts of TouchWiz to Vulcan because Vulcan mm-hmm. is basically how you talk to the GPU and you want the GPU to accelerate your user right. interface, not just. Um, I can't believe it's like games. a decade into mobile and we're just now getting to we're using the GPU to accelerate. No, we've been using the GPU for a long time. So why is Vulcan better? It's just that like Apple's Apple has the metal API. No, that's what I mean. It's it's taken us all the way to now right. to like before, build the system. Before they were using like OpenGL. Apple was using OpenGL. What was Android using? OpenGL. It was OpenGL yeah. on Android too? Yep. I didn't know that. OpenGL. What a garbage Open fire that is. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like OpenGL sucks. How oh, it's, it's taking us remember, a long way. Do you remember when Apple added OpenGL to the Mac and it was like the world's biggest deal? Mm-hmm. Do you remember a game they demoed OpenGL with on the Mac? Was that Halo? Uh, was what became it was Marathon. It was no yeah. Bungie made Marathon and, and then, then they, they made Halo. Demonstrated Halo. Yeah. At a Mac world and then yeah, it was going to come out of both Mac them. and Windows at the same time and then Mac, yeah. OpenGL, the dream is dead. Halo is only for the Xbox One. And that's never going to update. Anyway, and Windows. There's some Apple news that we should talk about. Yeah, yeah, in a little bit. So if you've been following the Apple media beat, and I know that our listeners, media critics through and through, you know that Mark Gurman, who was the nine to five Mac scoop machine, is now at Bloomberg. And scoop machine. Scoop machine. Still being a scoop machine. And Daisuke Wakabayashi, who was the Wall Street Journal's Apple scoop machine, is now at the New York Times. It's big new competition for both of them. I'm just saying the the winds are changing in the Apple Scoop game. So the Scoop machines continue to scoop, but it, for for different publications. Yes, and I think particularly in German's case, a much larger, richer. Right. Mike Bloomberg is just like German. Give me an Apple Scoop, and he throws right. a bag of money at him, and then something happens. You know, that's the <laughs> thing. When whenever I talk to somebody who's like not really like doesn't really know a lot about what the Verge is. Yeah. All they ever say is like, "Just tell me when the next iPhone's gonna come yeah, out." That's, You've got inside information, right? Tell yeah. me when the next iPhone's gonna come out. That's all anybody wants to that's know. That's all anybody wants to know. And the answer is next week on Tuesday. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's what I always say. I'm like, next week. It's gonna have, buy one now. It's gonna have three headphone jacks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Bloomberg had a, a little scoop. Apple mm. working on a Snapchat clone for the next version, and presumably come out with the. The new phone and you know iOS 10 when that launches, and then yeah. I thought this one was really interesting. Back Channel, the Medium publication run by Stephen Levy, mm-hmm. legendary sort of tech features writer Stephen Levy, had just an incredibly long piece about Apple and AI, uh, featuring like photos of Apple executives in pastel shirts in front of whiteboards on which equations had been written, which is always like my favorite sort of like how do we illustrate this complicated story technique and both of those together kind of they kind of are the same story which is apple is in this very reactive mode right they know what people are doing on the phone they Mm -hmm. know what the industry is all about tim cook just gave a big profile interview to fast company he talked about ai in that as well obviously apple's competitors have been talking and i think we've done 90 episodes of the show on like bots 
Right. But Apple's competitors have been talking about bots and assistants and messaging, and Apple saying, your AI stuff is cute, and mm. then to, you know, to back channel, the whole story is, but we've been doing it forever. And Siri got so much better, you wouldn't even believe it, because we added some AI to it. And there's no way to measure it, because you wouldn't, you, there's no before and after, obviously, but... There's that, which is we're already ahead of the curve in AI. We have the best AI people working at Apple. And then we just don't have a specific division for it, and we don't brag about it as much. It's just sort of and we don't publish the company research. Yeah, they just make the stuff and ship it, which is you know the yeah. Apple way. And then on the flip side, there's this like leak that Apple is going to do this like video sharing social network. And both of those to me are the biggest trends right now in tech, as near as I can tell, it are. AI and bots on sort of the deep research future side, and on the what are the what are the kids doing side, it's a very much like Instagram stories and Snapchat and these like weird share a moment of your life products. And obviously, Apple's doing a lot of that in iMessage, they're blowing it out. But the idea that they're going to build another dedicated kind of social network just points to a reactivity that we're not really used to seeing. I mean, this is the only other Apple social network I can think of is Ping. It's Ping. I, now, God, it, it's kind of it's kind of unclear to me. Like, is this really a social network, or is this a way? Because because one thing that I I, I communicate a lot over iMessage, but you can make weirder, cooler things in Snapchat or you know some other app, right? Mm -hmm. And so, for there to be an, an Apple native way to just like I don't know, make a cool thing for for delivery over iMessage, that makes a or lot delivery of, over Twitter or Facebook, right? Or whatever, yeah, right? it would be the generic yeah. way to make a cool thing to share to lots of these. This different is there's places. generic photo filters in the camera app, right? But but they would add more stuff more, to it. Like that's the other more, thing. Is this maybe is this like, going to be an independent app or built into the camera? Maybe the, like a little the, doggy face. The... <laughs> <laughs> Did you think about a little doggy face? <laughs> This this one's called Hudson. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can you wait for the keynote when they go through each of their filters? Yeah. Like, oh my god! Like imagine imagine a, a deliberate like this one makes your eyes really big yeah. and your voice high. Now, you you might have seen stuff like this, but we we wanted to do it right. Yeah. Your voice is really high and funny. <laughs> I mean, like, let's just... We used machine learning AI, as some people like to crow about, <laughs> to train a neural network with people talking after inhaling helium. It sounds so much like you inhaled helium. <laughs> this one turns you into a puppy. <laughs> this one turns you into an actual puppy. Let's just wait. I mean, like, the inevitable Craig Federighi, Eddie Q puppy message is coming for us. Wow. Are you ready? Wow. Are you ready for that one? Yes. No. Yes. Yeah, super is there ready. one that's just going to put Craig Federighi's hair on you? I hope so. I would use that one. We all need <laughs> but, that one. So, I mean, the 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 thing that I'll say about like they, I don't trust Apple to like build a social network. Really, I just like I don't think that no. they could pull it off. Not that's at all. Fine. Like I don't I don't expect them to be able to do that. I would like to see them create a tool to make more fun stuff that is you know maybe in the in the line of, you know, my favorite app that I won't shut up about, Motion Stills, you know, they could make stuff to make more cool things and then I could put them on whatever network I feel like. Well, like, that's fine. And I think... But the thing about it is, like, how many Apple actual, like, iPhone apps do you, like, deeply, truly love at this point? Like, that's kind of the problem. Like, do people deeply love Apple Music? Maybe they've got a, sh a shot. Do people deeply love Safari? Well, they, they depend on it, but do they really, like... 
use it day to day. Like there are apps on the phone, on phones that are getting made by other people that people have a deep, like I love Snapchat or I love Instagram. I love this app. And uh, Apple, like it makes the OS. And so its apps are like all kind of utilities. Mm. Nobody deeply loves the mail app. I don't know anybody that deeply likes the mail app. And so everyone deeply withstands the mail app. Right. Yeah. So does Apple want to get in the game of like making apps that people like deeply, dearly love? I really think they should. I think it's been a while since I've seen them put something out where it's like, oh, my God, this thing makes my heart flutter. I mean, if you think about like what was I mean, this is maybe comparing apples and oranges because it's old-timey computer history. But when you thought of the original Macintosh, it's like, oh, sure, you could do, you know, nerdy, lame stuff on PCs, on the IBMs. You but, can but, push but, a button and split the this window one, into two different editors. But with, with a Macintosh, <laughs> you can draw pictures, you can do word processing, and we've got these laser printers. And like, yeah. and there's definitely like, a, I, I imagine Apple filters, if they made a really good app, it becomes kind of like a class thing a little bit. Yeah, like, like think the of like blue bubbles and the green bubbles. And the screen caps of the Notes app. I yeah. mean, how many celebrities have you ever seen post a uh, editorial that they wrote in uh, Android Notes app? Uh, his name is There's Donald no Trump. There's no such app. There's no such app. He's the one. There's Google Keep, I guess, but... No, Trump uses an Android phone. That's like yeah, but what's those the are Android Notes app. No, but does he screen cap the Notes app for I, editorials? I will give you a month off if you can get into Trump Tower and teach Donald Trump how to take a screenshot on his Android phone. Cool. If that's a video we can make, I literally you can you can just leave for a month. I'll give you a pro. I'll give you a thousand dollars. What? Yeah, I'll just keep amping it up. I'll buy you a car. What? If you get a video, <laughs> you're gonna buy me a car. It won't be a good car, but. I'll buy you a car if you. We get a video of you teaching Trump to screenshot on his Android phone, and then great. and then do celebrity style. So then we could get like longer shots. form, longer form Trump. I'm into it. We all need longer. form I mean, literally, Trump he's sometimes. he's the only celebrity I can think of that like consistently uses Android. Kim Kardashian uses a classic black, BlackBerry. That's the only other one. Right. Ever. Except except the. Uh, oh, was it her that she her her last BlackBerry just died? Yeah, and so she's like on the hunt for more, and there's no more on eBay. Yeah. I'll give you. I'll buy you a car if you can get Kim Kardashian a BlackBerry. <laughs> what? I'm just gonna start promising people cars for Impossible Stories. I mean, I'm not saying it will be a good car. In right. fact, I already know a car. It is. And also, I don't want a car, so I'm gonna just turn around and sell it right away. Well, it's gonna be like one of those like really beaten down eight hundred dollar. Why don't you just Wranglers. give me the thousand? I like the thousand dollars because I want you to have a like a really really wrecked white Jeep Wrangler. To drive around in for my like month off. Yeah, of <laughs> I forgot to promise you the month off. Yeah, damn it. This could be great. <laughs> FYI, Chris, Chrissy Teigen sent Kim Kardashian flowers and a card. All right, uh, if anybody knows how how I can get a hold of um, DJT out of 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 Mr. Trump, just uh, hit me up. My right. DMs are open. <laughs> At Future Paul. But the only thing you can do with him is teach him how to take a screenshot. I'm going to teach him how to screenshot on Android. Like, yeah. I want that video. I think that would be a great video. That's fine. All right. Let's read an ad for a bank, and then we're going to come back with James Temple. The Vergecast, as you know, is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. How cool is it that we live in a world where you can use the same device to listen to the Vergecast and buy your morning coffee, groceries, and more? Did I mention that it's a super fast way to pay? Just use your City Card with Android Pay at the register. Get in, get it, and get going. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible City, Consumer, Credit, and Debit cards. So we're back. What a wonderful ad read that was. Mm-hmm. They're the best. Wilderness Week here at The Verge. 
uh, celebrating the great outdoors. I love being outside. That's a lie. I do. I mean, All right. it's tolerable. But <laughs> other people love being outside. And the problem with being outside is that it just keeps getting hotter and hotter. <laughs> it has been a miserable summer. Anyway, James Temple is here. James, uh, one of our great video directors. Um, you've got a new series kind of brewing up. You want to tell us about it? Yeah. So just this week, we finally launched uh, Climate Hackers, which we've been working on for the last couple months. Uh, basically, we're taking a look at, you know, obviously climate change is a big deal and a big problem and, and an important issue. But instead of sort of focusing on and, and highlighting how big a problem it is and so forth, we which people have done ad nauseum, we thought that it made sense to start looking at what are some of the potential ways of addressing this stuff. And so we have started talking to some scientists and technologists that are doing really interesting work to combat the effects of climate change. Uh, starting this week with David Keith. He's a professor at Harvard, a uh, professor of public policy and physics, who's working on what's uh, called solar geoengineering, which is this idea that you can actually spray particles into the stratosphere that would bounce back light and heat into space and therefore offset a big chunk of the, the global warming that we expect to, to see this century. Yeah. And so you, you got your first installment. And I have to say, you, you, led, you led with the big wild idea, which is great. I mean, they're all big wild ideas. But this one is just particularly crazy. It's, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say it and it's going to be wrong, but this is how I think of it. It's scientists shooting gold dust into the sky to block the sun, <laughs> which is not well, exactly right, but it's so close to being right. <laughs> it's it's actually really close. And in fact, you know, one of the particles that David Keith has talked about that would be probably the most effective uh, would actually be diamond dust. So yeah. so gold and diamond, not not too far off there. I mean, just a good night so, out. What about like the te- the tears of of babies? <laughs> We're gonna shoot baby tears into the sky. Uh, wait, so tell so that, you that hasn't been evaluated. Obviously, everyone should go watch okay. the thing. But walk us through it. Like, what is this idea? Like, how would it actually work? And is it at all practical? I mean, the thing is, it probably is practical because this is a rare instance where we've seen nature already doing this. Volcanoes, you know, massive volcanoes in the in the past spew just tens of millions of tons of sulfur dioxide into the sky. And when it happens in the following year, we have often seen a decline in in temperature. So the the question is just, well, there's two questions. One is, can can humans mimic it? And there's a pretty good sense that we could. It's not that, technically, it's not that complicated. It's just, you know, get a plane that can fly into the stratosphere and eject some stuff. Uh, The the bigger question... Diamonds. Diamonds. <laughs> uh, the, the bigger question is, uh, what are the side effects, yeah. and 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 what are the environmental side effects, and, and how can we kind of work around those things? Let me, okay, let I me have just, a million questions. Let me rewind and ask one question. It might be, sure. it might be crazy. Why couldn't we just try to make volcanoes explode? Because that would be spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> what you need to do is you need to get the Thetans to fly <laughs> yeah. the DC tens. Into the volcano. I mean, that's and actually then, why I love this series. Like the audacity of these ideas is is terrific. And then you know you confront them and ask why couldn't we do it? But like, I, you know, it's obviously not I think wise to compel volcanoes to erupt <laughs> in massive eruptions. It depends there on might the be volcano. Some, there, yeah, and 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 the location around it. I think there are probably some negative downsides to it as well. Uh, so come on. What are the things like burying of people? There's there's diamond dust, but there's also like other chemicals that we might just spray around. Like how how do they decide 
why why diamonds or why what was there was yeah. like sulfuric acid uh, well, or something. So there? so the other two that have been looked at are alumina and uh, sulfur dioxide. Sulfur the, dioxide the issue with it. sulfur dioxide, which is what volcanoes actually spew, is that it also would uh, it, it it eats away at the ozone layer, and that's not a good thing. So that's why uh, D- Dr. Keith started looking at some of these other things just to see wh- how you could minimize some of these environmental downsides. Okay, so we we could see what volcanoes did. And I know that there are some people that say that they, you could do a small scale study, but they, I don't. I, I, you need to explain that to me. But my sense is that you just kind of do it, hope it works, and there's no take backs. Like if we if we throw a whole bunch of sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere, a whole bunch of diamond dust in the atmosphere, in the stratosphere, and we're like, oh shit, that oops. Yeah. Like, we can't undo it, right? Well, we can't immediately undo it. it. I mean, one of the benefits to this approach is that it's not permanent in that, you know, this stuff eventually falls out of the stratosphere. So, but but yeah, we're locked into that. Whatever change we've, we've uh, whatever change occurs, we've locked in for a year or so. So we want to be able to live with that. Um, there, though, you know, some of the, the, the critics definitely say, you're not really going to know what happens until you roll this out at full scale. But the scientists I talked to who've looked, taken a hard look at this do think that you can do limited trials in in limited areas and just you know you 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 can you can learn important things you maybe don't know exactly what's going to happen once it's rolled out at full scale but you can learn what some of the unknown unknowns would be in terms of secondary effects and so forth so so i think there is a lot to be learned still but but I do think that you're right. We're not, we may, you know, there, it, it's something, uh, an experiment conducted at the scale of the planet and the complexity of the climate system, there are inevitably going to be some things that we just, we can't predict or control for. Would, would you even want like an even distribution of this? Because it like, if the planet keeps getting hotter, uh, there's parts of the planet that are going to really like that and, and it's better for them. And then there's parts of them of the planet that's like, wait, that's too hot. Can you can you target the two hot parts? Yeah, like just Ohio and Iowa, but not California. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was I was asking about that, and it, it sounded like our ability to localize this is is pretty limited. That okay. that natural events in the stratosphere are going to s- spread this stuff out pretty pretty broadly. So, how would you do this? I mean, that's like the big question is. We have this idea for, well, I don't. Dr. Keith, I believe, has an idea to spray some particles, including but not limited to diamonds in the sky. Yeah, you just you literally just load them on a plane and fly real high and let them go. What's the what's the mechanism? I think that's right. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's it. A, it's, is there like a heist? Like I think there should be a heist first. <laughs> like we should steal the diamonds well, and then um, grind them into dust. This is actually what people some people are very scared about because this is not this complex technical thing, right? Any nation that can afford a plane that can fly into the stratosphere could pretty much go and try to do this themselves. And that's actually why a lot of the scientists are saying, listen, we, we have to do the studies and figure out how this is done safely and what the effects are. Because frankly, a, na- a nation or even a wealthy individual, Peter Thiel, uh, could, <laughs> could go incredible. rogue at any moment. What if and he, just just try to do this on their own? Like if Peter Thiel goes from <laughs> I killed Gawker to I'm interested in fortifying my body with the blood of the young mm-hmm. fact. Yep. To I'm yeah. spraying diamonds over Canada <laughs> just to see what happens. Why not? Yes, he he would be even more well loved figure. I mean, I mean, I would say he's that, absolutely a Bond villain. Uh, that's right? like a hard left turn. To go from being a Bond villain to like eco eco mastermind, a lot of the Bond no, villains are eco masterminds. He, 
Yeah, he 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 pulls off a massive heist. He goes to wherever uh, you know the De Beers warehouse. He doesn't of need a diamonds massive that they stockpile. He like walks. No, but, in, he walks in. And he's like, yeah, I but, I made PayPal, dude. You gotta you gotta stick with me on the whole Bond. Okay, I'm with you. Plot like the Bond villain doesn't just go buy a bunch of stuff. They have to go steal it. Mm-hmm. So De Beers obviously stockpiles diamonds because they're an evil conspiracy that drives up the price of diamonds and, and convinces all that we need to put them on rings when we get married. And so they've got a massive stockpile to keep uh, diamonds rare. So Peter Thiel goes and steals them and he puts them in his mountain fortress. Yep. And then, in order to mess with the nation states that are preventing him from creating his independent seasteading <laughs> empire where nobody can bother him. He releases diamond dust into the air over the countries that he disagrees with. Cooling them massively. Lower, to cool to cool them down. Uh <laughs> Such that he can get the international permission from the UN, which he's co-opted to create his new seasteading nation state. I'm right because in. It's not going to be a can problem. He say, for can he warming. say to those nations, "Chill out"? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so James, James, welcome to the Virgin yes. Cast, my friend. Thank Sorry. you. This uh, has been great. Uh, what's next? Like, what's the what's the takeaway? Is it is there motion behind this is there not motion is there momentum behind this is there energy are there government moves to be made what what happens here uh yes i i would say that you know i i started covering this stuff a couple years ago when i was at the san francisco chronicle and at the time it it seemed like an idea that had maybe just started emerging from the, the the fringes of the scientific world. And I think now, I wouldn't say it's necessarily mainstream, but a lot of very serious, very well-credentialed scientists are, are taking a hard look at this. And uh, we've just seen uh, a, a senator introduce a proposal to earmark some, some money in the energy department to start uh, actually studying this sort of stuff. We saw the uh, I think the National Science Foundation came out with a report on this recently, again, saying that l- let's not rush into this or anything, but this is at least an area that, that we want to start researching more. So I do think that there is uh, building momentum f- behind these ideas and not because anyone thinks that this is like a brilliant idea, but because it's very clear to everyone that, that climate change is going to be a disaster and, and, and we're not doing anything substantial to, to really address it yet. Peter Thiel, diamonds in the sky. <laughs> That's the so, move. Uh, All right. Uh, I got to put you on the spot. Should we do it? Uh, so do you, do you think we should my do it? personal view of it is that um, we we should study it that, you know, I don't I don't think that uh, I think anyone who is sort of like instinctually or uh, reflexively dismissive of it doesn't fully appreciate the full extent of the dangers we face with climate change. But I don't I also think that we we have a lot more to learn before we should go out and just start spraying stuff into the stratosphere and, and, and hoping that it all works well. All right. Well, I want the audience to stay tuned for more Climate Hackers. we got more coming up. There are more crazy ideas about how to fix this planet of ours. And James, we... More heists. More heists. More heists. Uh, Dieter, I'm, I'm actually really sad that at no point during your tale did Dieter Bone put on a tuxedo <laughs> and save the nations of Earth from a frozen fate. Anyway. That's, uh, act, that's act three. Dieter Bone. Yeah. Uh, or James. James... Uh, you could save everybody. But anyway, I don't have a talk. more climate hacking can come. James, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys.
Graphic Stock is a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to over 300,000 premium photos, illustrations, vectors, and design elements that everyone can afford. You get great value with the unlimited download model. You get the largest unlimited download library of graphics, photos, vectors, and images available to the creative community. Think about that. Most websites charge per download, which costs as much as $30 per image, which can add up quickly. Graphic stock, you get unlimited downloads of your membership for an annual rate. There's no credits, no download limits, no hidden charges, and there's just you and all the stock images and vectors you can you can eat. Mm-hmm. So it's the same content you can find in the more expensive stock sites at a much cheaper price. They're always adding new stuff to the library so it stays fresh. During a seven-day free trial, you can download 140 pieces of content, and it's only $99 for an annual subscription after that, which is less than $10 a month. Do the math. Everything is 100% royalty-free, even if subscription is canceled. You get unrestricted usage rights for personal and commercial projects. You keep what you download. You maintain those rights forever. So, listeners, this is a bit of an exclusive for you. Sign up for a seven-day free trial today at graphicstock.com slash vergecast. That's graphicstock.com slash vergecast for a free seven-day trial. Back. Graphicstock. Like Everyone likes free. Paul. Mm-hmm. We have a recurring segment on the show. What's it called? It's called Let Me... It has the same name every week, Yeah, right? yeah. It's called Let yeah. Me Touch You With Science. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it called that? No. <laughs> you, you definitely can't call it that. Are you sure? Uh, well, uh, it's too late now. It's way too late now. James, Yeah, again. I mean, we've been doing it for weeks. Yeah, everyone, everyone's so used to it, and there's been no listener outcry whatsoever because of that name. All right, tell us, my God, tell us what happened here. All right, uh, so somebody's making this, like, exoskeleton for VR that, like, imagine a creepy robot hand. Here, Neil, I just hold out your hand, all right? Hold out your hold Why out your would head. you ask me to do this do after it. naming this segment what you named it? <laughs> I want to touch you with science. <laughs> Hold out your hand, all right? You now, know I love you and I trust you. Now here comes the and robot you could, hand. You could betray that trust. On top of your it's hand. On, first of all, it's an audio show. Yep. Second of all, Paul and I are just holding hands in no, the most this awkward is, way possible This isn't right holding now. hands. I have my hand on top of your hand. Would you say that you're holding my hand? Would you say that this feels a little awkward? I think that you're holding my hand and okay, I'm not holding your I'll hand. Imagine I'm a robot. <laughs> Done. And you're like trying to grab a rubber ducky in VR. And then I stop your fingers with my my <laughs> robot fingers, right? So you're trying you're trying to grab something and I grab your fingers back because I'm a creepy robot. So exoskeleton. here is the problem with the demo Paul just tried to give me. Yeah. Is that his hand was atop my hand, but they weren't actually attached, so that when I moved my fingers, Paul had to individually grab each one of my yeah. fingers. Well, that's why we need robots. That's why you need so it's a glove. It's a no, it's an exoskeleton. It's like a super so like clips on your, your body. So when you go to when you go to grab something, there's resistance from the thing that you grab so your hand doesn't go through it like a ghost. Uh, and this thing mimics that resistance by holding your fingers back with its uh, creepy robot right. uh, hand on top of yeah, your hand. Yeah, it looks like a head crab from Half-Life. This is an excellent episode of your show 1000 Words, a podcast about describing images on the internet. Thank you. Think that, this it. is a secret uh, way for him to record the podcast. I see what's, again, I see what's anybody. Yeah. Uh, this is native content. This is one of those ideas that needs to happen though, but I, I always think about it in terms of you'll wear the glove and the glove, it'll make you feel like you're holding something as opposed to resisting you actively. Right. Cause you want to, you want to feel like you're touching something, not like you can't move your fingers. Right. Yeah. But when you 
you you you literally when you're holding something can't move your fingers because your your hand doesn't go through the thing right. you're holding. It's just like a reverse version of it. It's like you're being held back instead of pressing against something. Yes. Somebody's pulling back on you. And I'm saying that is not usually what holding something feels like. <laughs> well, we don't know. All right. Yeah, it's the I, week, I think, everyone. Look, man, it's, it's just it's force vectors either way, man. Yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah. Force vectors. <laughs> what do you say? You probably should really warm up that RAM before you do this segment, bro. I just think haptics in VR is going to be really important. I still, I still tell people my favorite experience in VR, the thing that feels the most real, is holding the two Vive controllers. Because a lot of the games have a one-to-one representation of the Vive controllers that you see. Yeah. And you can feel them. You can tap them together. And that somehow is the most immersive thing. Um, there was that report this week that uh, the HTC, the Vive, is the most has the most active development community, and I think a lot of it is because of controllers. It's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's neat. I got. Did I tell you I got lost in the Vive the other day? I was <laughs> How like, did that I was James Barham, our creative director, was like, "Let me show you these pictures," and he was like, trying to find him, and I was mm-hmm. like sitting in the cave with him, and I put on the Vive, mm-hmm. and I started. Play- I told you we were going to talk about Play-Doh today, and I put on the. Yes, I was in a cave. <laughs> That's what happened, and I found myself. And I, no, I was in the controllers. I, I started playing whatever the first game that I could click on was. I didn't even know it was called. And I was in a forest, and I was just like stuck behind a tree. And I was walking around the room, like crashing into shit. Mm-hmm. And I was just lost. I was like, I'm not leaving here until I solve this puzzle. And James is like, You are just walking in the chairs right now. That was my story. With <laughs> Did tomorrow. you solve the puzzle? No. The end. VR's VR's a failure. <laughs> All right, lightning round. We got a few minutes left here. Let's do this thing. Reports. Amazon might launch a $5 per month music streaming service that only works in the Amazon Echo. What do you think? Only on the Echo? Yeah. Yeah, that's my question, too. I mean, why am I paying for, I think as someone put it from TheVerge.com, why, why am I paying a fee to listen to music exclusively on one bad speaker? Perfect. A new theme for Spotify that makes it look more like RDO. Don't believe the lies. Too soon. <laughs> Don't believe the Too lies. Too soon. You just you had a lot of music stuff going on here. I've been trying to use Spotify. Yeah. Because I want Spotify to like show me cool recommendations because everyone's like, oh, the weekly recommendations are so good. It's a fact. But they are. But so far, Spotify thinks I'm like half of who I was whenever I used Spotify last, which was like 2011 or something like yeah. that. <laughs> and half now where I just listen to... That one song, like the one dance song by Drake. Yeah, we are we are all just layers of our past selves, Paul. That's what I learned in the cave. Chefs, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Frank Ocean Blonde, Apple Music exclusive. First record's very good. Very good. Please stop listening to this podcast. Why? Because you should be listening to Frank Ocean right exclusively now. <laughs> in Apple Music. Yeah, that's a free one, Eddie. <laughs> Sorry, just doing fake ads. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, just type Verge into Apple Music and see what happens. It's mm. uh, it's nothing, but it could be something. Apple, <laughs> All right, whatever. I, Micah wrote a great piece about exclusives and the the idea that artists of this size don't need a label anymore. Mm. So labels are now yeah, afraid the- of exclusives because you get paid by Apple. You don't need to get paid by Warner Brothers or whatever. I think that's like that's a that's an interesting moment. It's, so what's what's funny about this is like it it, it he set it up really well and it, it's going to come down to a fight between streaming services and labels and if you look at Apple Music their original like trademark what they were and weren't supposed to do 
they had that fight with the Beatles, and now they're like, they're literally going to be put in a position where they're like going to be actively destroying music labels, which is like the thing that they weren't supposed to do well, when they got the. Well, they got the okay. they they paid they paid the Beatles. They're good. The Beatles are happy. I know they're good. Um, but, but, but it's the, funny because what did a label used to do for you? They used to do many. They primarily they did manufacturing, distribution, and marketing, right? So yeah, so and so it, it sounds like you don't need any of those things anymore. And Mike is thing is like because labels are becoming afraid of this we might have fewer exclusives but i could also see it going the other way where we have hulu amazon netflix exclusives you know and it's like you get a a few shows in common but for the most part to watch all things that exist you need to subscribe to all of them don't you think that could happen for music no the thing about labels like you would an artist would sign a label because you were just a person who was good at making music and you had no idea how to manufacture LPs and put them on trucks and get them into stores. And, and you just don't need to do that anymore. Mm. Apple will take your, I don't know, your AIFF files from you, whatever you master on, and then they will distribute it through Apple Music on millions of phones. They'll market it with their enormous reach and they'll play it for people in their, you know, somewhat okay app. And like, if you're a label, that's like an existential threat. This was the first album on Apple Music where it's like, okay, I want this. All right, Apple, ready? Adding this. Download it to my phone. And it did. Hey! <laughs> Every time I've done that before, it's like, okay, I know I downloaded that al- album, so it's totally going to be on my phone now that I'm in the subway. And then it's like two tracks, and then like the next one's like... Uh. Apple Music is so confused with my stuff that I have I have two copies of virtually every track now, and I nice. just don't know what to do with it. Nice. Anyway, Lightning Round continues. PlayStation Now, game streaming to PC. That seems very exciting to me. I would play PlayStation games on a PC. I didn't know that service was going well at all. It's just going. Is it going well? Just doing a thing. Yep. Uh, one more. I mean, that's pretty much the lightning response. To I that. just hate the latency. Hey, I want to. I want to take advantage of having a, a, a science uh, writer and video director here. Yeah. To talk about the James. PlayStation, James. This is a lightning round, and we've had a Vergecast debate. And I need you to weigh in. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you two questions. Can you see thunder? <laughs> Teeter. God damn it! Thunder is the sound of lightning. <laughs> Can you this see is- thunder? I, I'm I'm leaning toward uh, Neil's response there. There you go. So yes or no? So no. No. You can so, see lightning. But but then what? Can you hear lightning? Yes. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Dieter just <laughs> got you good. What do you mean? Perplexing. Thunder is the sound like, of lightning. Okay, okay. One is the property okay. of the other. Can you hear a clap? Yes. Can you see a clap? Yes. Right. Right. A clap. <laughs> is the physical motion of the two hands hitting, uh-huh. right? Jeez. Which you can yeah. see, but you can also hear that in sound waves. Thunder is just hearing lightning. Right. It's just the sound produced by lightning. I'm with you. Yeah. Can you hear a troll, Neli? I hate you. I hate you so okay. much. Because you just did. It was great. But you can't. Because Dear, good always, job. Give, it, give that guy a raise. Because they always, <laughs> Dieter, I'll give you a month off if you can see thunder. I'll buy, I will buy you a car. Uh, it'll be a crappy car. But you go show me no, some I thunder, can see man. thunder. It's called lightning. I hate you. All right, last one. Last, last wait, wait, one. Wait, wait, wait. We didn't talk about the Slim. Oh, two more. Okay. PS4 Slim leaks. Looks bad. It looks terrible. It looks so bad. Yeah, that's, that's sorry. It looks like ninety. Leaks always Sony look bad though. In the worst, like way. leaks always look bad. Like the iPhone four leak looked bad. Yeah, but that's because Gizmodo like literally like shattered it into a million pieces and peed on it. Like, 
They're like, we found the iPhone. Yeah, it looks like it definitely plays some sort of proprietary audio codec. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like the worst and of accepts, 90s Sony. And accepts memory sticks. <laughs> I bet oh it God. does. <laughs> Memory it's sticks. Super bet it does. I got it. Speaking of cameras, hey uh, <laughs> What? I've been drinking. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> Canon 5D Mark IV announced uh, 4K video. It's got Wi-Fi. Uh, according to this URL, it also has a price. I, these days, these days, I'm really behind. Wait, can I just say that was an SEO joke for my SEO friends? It does have a price. It's thirty five hundred dollars. That's not a high price for that camera. It's a lot of money. Uh, there's some pro. I just feel like the 5D Mark II, which introduced this video di- digital solar, like really changed yes. cinema. Changed the world. And I feel like I haven't really kept track of all the camera specs in the meantime. Like yeah. this, this has 4K at, at 24 or 30 frames per second. It's got like 60 frames per second, 1080p. And that seems great. It's got 120 frames per second, 720p. That's all exciting. And there's like new processors. I'm sure it's great. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just, I'm just happy that this, a little gadget, Canon 5D Mark II changed. Changed, literally changed the world. There's yeah. a whole thing about how it made the, the cost of HD video capture low and created a new generation right. of cinema. And for some it's, reason, it, Canon has only made two sequels. Do they that. don't need to. I mean, they've got a lot of other interesting cameras. If too. you look at, t- there's tons and tons and tons of virtual photography that James shoots that's all shot in his Mark II. Yeah. And it still looks beautiful. The Mark II is the reason that I moved into video. I mean, it was definitely this fundamental thing. But at this point, it's interesting that we're on to the four, and all they're doing is catching up with what most other DSLR cameras and mirrorless cameras have, have had for years. So it's weird that they sort of, you know, created this 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 area of, you know, Shifting all these photojournalists into videographers, but it, it seems like they've they're getting their lunch eaten. At what this what point would by, you say, Sony and mirrorless? Yeah, a lot of people I know that in video are really into the Sony. Would you say that's the Mark II of of, of right now? What what's that called? The I Alpha so. something? The, the AS seven two two or AS seven? Yeah. AS seven AS seven two. That's the, the hot one. Two. Yep. That's what I just bought. Oh there man! Go. Yeah. Throw it down. Oh god! Uh, and and no buyer's remorse after seeing the Mark IV. Nope. No. I mean, why do I? Why do I want to go back and have this big heavy camera when you know the the Sony has all of those things that that Canon just finally got around to adding? Because hmm. it's not a video camera. That's actually the thing, right? The the Mark II was particularly remarkable because it was a still camera to which. Canon added video capability, so, so you, you could, could excuse it to yourself that I'm still getting a. Still well, no, because then you could you were you were able to suddenly use this library of lenses. You were able to get the look. Right now, the Mark IV is you know, and I, I think there's still a question for cam- like, existentially: is it a camera or is it a video camera? And the video cameras have like caught up and surpassed it. Like we don't shoot on Mark IIs anymore. We shoot on C100s, which Canon makes, using many of the same components remixed to make a video camera. Mm. It's way better low-light performance. Yeah. Something I know about the C100. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, James, for all the people who are mad at you for buying a Sony camera, where can they find you on Twitter? At J Temple. At J Temple. If you are a Canon fanboy, uh, once again, that is at J Temple. Um, <laughs> Underscore Sony <laughs> the best. <laughs> uh, Paul is at Future Paul. Dieter's at Backlon. I'm at Reckless. Uh, the Verge is at Verge on virtually every platform. Just go to one of them. Mm-hmm. Indicate to that platform that we are your preferred provider 
of social content. Right. That would be very helpful. Please go to iTunes, an app that should be speedily killed but continues to exist and distribute our podcasts. Go to that app. Find the stars. It's gotten a little bit better. Choose the maximum amount of stars. Loop button always works for me now. And then submit that amount of stars to Apple Apple Incorporated. Can you also heart uh, in in the in the podcast zone? You can you can star it, but can you heart it? The Ooh. fact that it has stars and hearts. We that was a great piece. That was one of like my favorite pieces that we ever written. Anyway, uh, do that, and then while you're in iTunes, while you're subjecting yourself to that experience, mm-hmm. check out everything else. Hit up what's tech. Mr. Christopher Plant, that hits on Tuesdays. Control-Alt-Delete has been off for two weeks. It's back next week. Me and Walt hanging, talking, rapping, jamming. Verge ESP with Emily and Liz is on Fridays. They're going strong. And you can, you know, just generally hang with the Verge wherever fine internet is served. That's it. We'll be back next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Paul. Paul.